Hey guys, it's a great day to live for Jesus. My name is Pastor Mike Grover, and this is the In the Word podcast, a twice-weekly devotional journey through the New Testament, where together we will stop, look, and learn what the Lord has to say to us today. Well, in the Word today, we're in Matthew chapter number 23, little background on this chapter. Just remember at this point we have moved into the last week of Jesus's life, the Passion Week. And in this chapter, really, it's his final and strongest rebuke of the Pharisees, the religious leader of that day. And you just see this pouring out of Jesus's frustration with them and how they have kept his people back from becoming all that he would desire for them. And he begins this chapter in verse 1. It says, Then Jesus spoke to the multitude and to his disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore, whatever they bid you to observe, that observe and do, but don't do after their works, for they say and they do not do. So he said, these Pharisees, man, they hold this position of authority under the law and what they're teaching you out of the word. He said, go ahead and do the word, but don't follow their example because basically they're hypocrites. Verse five, he said, all their works they do to be seen of men. They're not doing what they do to bring glory to God. They're not doing it for the advancement of his kingdom. He said, they're doing it for themselves. They're doing it for self-promotion. And in this chapter, he gives a series of woes or judgments upon the Pharisees. It's like the Lord's frustration just spills out all over them. Verse 13, he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you shut up the kingdom of heaven against men. For you neither go in yourselves, neither do you allow them that are entering to go in. He said, you're not bringing people into the kingdom. You're actually closing the door on them. Verse 14, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He says, you devour widows' houses, and for a pretense you make long prayer. Therefore, he said, you will receive the greater damnation, the greater judgment. Verse 15, really strong. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you circle the earth, sea and land, to make one proselyte. And when he is made, you make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. He said, you have a missionary zeal to convert people, but not to God, to convert them to your ways, a hellish way. Verse 16, he calls them blind guides. Verse 17, fools and blind. Um, Verse 19, fools and blind. Verse 23, woe unto you. And he rebukes them for their hypocrisy again. And then verse 25, there's a woe. And then verse 27. And then again in verse 29. And he just spills it all out. And I think his frustration and his judgment is summarized completely in verse 33, where he says, You serpents, you generation of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? So this chapter... Um, this background of the last week of Jesus's lives, uh, life, and this stunning rebuke of the Pharisees without holding back at all to his disciples and the others in the crowd that are following him. And you see this, this anger, this contempt, this frustration by Jesus Christ. 
but then you contrast it in the end of this chapter to the compassionate heart of the Lord. It's like his anger, his frustration just leads to tears. And he says in verse 23, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets and stone them which are sent unto you, how often I would have gathered your children together, even as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. He said, but you would not. You were not willing. Behold, your house is left to you desolate, for I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth or again until you shall say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. So in these verses, man, we see this contrast of love and compassion against the backdrop of his frustration and his judgment. I mean, you feel the heart of Jesus. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Luke has a similar account in chapter 19 and verse 41. And Luke says that he wept over the city. Man, bitter tears weeping over this city that's rejecting him, that's doing their own thing. Years ago, I heard a sermon and it was called The Laughing World and the Weeping Jesus. That came to my mind this morning as I was reading this. And I think about the world, how the world just laughs in its own way. Man, there's the laughing world. But here we see the weeping Jesus. And he really describes his compassion for what he would have wanted for them as this mother hen. It's a picture of this mother hen and her chicks are out there in the yard and she spreads out her wings and gathers them together, her brood, and she brings them into that place of warmth and comfort and safety and protection, man, right up against her heart. Guzik said in this picture, uh, man, Jesus shows us his desire for Jerusalem. He wanted to make them safe. He wanted to make them happy. He wanted them to be part of a blessed community. He wanted to promote their growth. He wanted them to know his love, but they must come. Jesus said, how often I would, but you would not. You see, the problem was not Jesus's desire for them. It was that they weren't willing to come to him. You know, Spurgeon said this, it's the will of God that saves but it's the will of man that damns. Man, there's no one in heaven that's not there by God's will, and there's no one in hell that's not there by their own will. And we have that tension once again here between what the scriptures teach on the sovereignty of God and then also the free will of man. And we see these two great truths and how they're they're held in tension throughout the scripture. But here clearly, God is emphasizing that man's side of of rejection and self-will. He says, how often I would, but you would not. Well, what was the consequence to Jerusalem, to Israel, for their rejection of their Messiah? Well, he says in verse 38, he said, your house is left to you desolate. The house of Israel was left desolate. The Greek word that's translated desolate here, nearly every other time it's used in the Gospel of Matthew, it's translated as desert or as wilderness. Man, your house is left to you a desert, a wilderness. 
And uh, what was God's desire for Israel? In Isaiah, he said he wanted them to be a, a fruitful vine that would fill the earth. But what did they get? A desert, a dry and a barren place. Why? Because they rejected the presence of their Messiah when he came. Now, we see the background of this last week, and we see this kind of doctrinal teaching that's directed at Israel. But, you know, thinking about a greater application of this passage, the question I'd ask me and you today is this, what's Jesus willing to do in your life and mine that we're not willing to let him do? What does he want to accomplish in us? What blessing? What purpose does he want to see fulfilled? What soul does he want us to have a part in bringing to him, but because of our unwillingness, someone else is getting in on that blessing? And what reward does he desire to see laid up for us in heaven, but we're letting it go by us because of our unwillingness? Man, if you don't know Jesus today, the salvation that's available to you today, but you will not. And then he says this, he says to them prophetically and to us practically, he says, you shall not see me henceforth or from now on until you shall say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. Well, what's Jesus talking about there? He's talking to Israel and their final rejection of him. And he's not saying you won't see me with physical eyes because in just a couple of days, they're going to see him hanging on the cross. He's saying, you will not see me in a knowing way, in an understanding way of who I truly am until the day when you will say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. What's that talking about? It's talking about the second coming. When Jesus returns to this earth and the Bible says, every eye will see him. And Israel will look upon him as the one that they rejected and they will say, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. So it's interesting there, he said, you, you will not see me until you shall say, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. He's like, Israel, you are not going to see my purposes for you established until I return again, until the second coming when I create my kingdom on this earth. But you know, he's also saying to us, you will not see me until you shall say. In other words, there's got to be a change in our heart, in our life, uh, if we really want to see what God truly wants to accomplish in us. And God's not going to bulldoze over the free will he's given us. He's going to work in tandem with it. And that's just a mystery that I don't completely get. But I know this. He says, you will not see me, Israel, until you do something about it. And the Lord says to us practically today, we will not see him until we do something about it in our lives. What blessing is being left on the table today because you're not in tune, we are not in tune, we are not willing to live in the will that God desires for us. You know, we need to recognize today the shortness of time that we have in serving the Lord. So many people I hear, they say, well, tomorrow or next week, or I'll do it later. 
And man, the time just gets away from them. I've heard older people tell me, when I was young, I really felt like God was leading me to the mission field, but man, now I'm older and I don't have the health and I don't have the strength. There's no way I could possibly learn a language now. And they say it with such regret. Man, I hear parents that say, you know, I always want to get, was going to get my kids grounded in the word. I was always going to get them in a meaningful discipleship at church and, and you know, in the, in the good influences. But, you know, baseball came along and this came along and that came along. And, you know, and now they're adults. And, man, I wish I invested more in the spiritual part of my kids. You see, we have to recognize the shortness of time And we have to make ourselves available to the Lord today. So here's the word for today. Be willing, be available. Let God do what he wants to do in your life and do it today. Thank you for listening today to In the Word. Join us every Tuesday and Friday for new episodes as we continue our devotional journey together through the New Testament.